Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Lucky Land Casino. Asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Blog Talk Radio. Welcome. You're tuned into Life is a Sacred Journey. Every week, we bring a new perspective to aging and caregiving. Here is your host, Michelle Pope. Good morning, good afternoon, and good evening to all of my virtual friends out there at Life is a Sacred Journey. I want to thank all of you who get up every morning, every Friday morning, rather, uh, to be here at 8 o'clock. But I also know there's, like, my sister in France that gets up I've got my friends in Belgium, so I don't know what time it is where you guys are, but thank you for, for really helping us to make this a reality as well as sharing it with other individuals. Life is a Sacred Journey's vision and goal is just to connect um, what I believe is a generational thing, a life thing. I don't think that we should look at people as fragments of life. We are whole beings, and who I was as a child, there's still very much of that personality in me today, and thank goodness, because it's that part of me that is inquisitive and curious, right? That's the, that's the kid in me. And then, of course, I went to college and all that and got mature, and I do that maturity stuff, like I pay my bills. Ah, yay. And then, you know, as I get older, I'm trying to figure out who does Michelle Pope want to be? How does she bring all of the things that she's learned in her lifetime into a, another phase of life that is still giving as well as life-giving and um, uses this and uses the heart? So that's why Life is a Sacred Journey is here. We are sponsored because I am the CEO of Alzheimer's Services of the East Bay. We definitely bring a lot of stuff in about Alzheimer's and dementia. been here for 20-something years. I don't know how not to. And then the life of our caregivers. And so this morning, this morning, I am so excited because Ken Stern has said yes to an invitation to join us on Life is a Sacred Journey. And I am going to have to record this. Thank you, Felicia. <laughs> I love me. I am so crazy. You guys know this. And that's why Felicia takes care of me. She just said, Michelle, please don't forget to record this. So uh, she's going to have to go to Facebook to get that wonderful little thing that I said earlier. And I'll repeat some of it later on. But I want to tell you about my guests. And I want to get into this conversation because I want to have time to, if you have any questions, Please put them in the Facebook chat, and I will lift them up to Ken. If you um, want to share this, please do so. Uh, go to our YouTube uh, station as well, and or whatever they call these things. It's not yeah, YouTube, Instagram, all of that. Go there and like us and share us. 
um, but welcome. And thank you for coming to another Life is a Sacred Journey. And I want to welcome this morning somebody who I um, am honored, I really am, but in so many ways, uh, Mr. Mr. Ken Stern. And I, he uh, was the chief executive for NPR. And so for him to be with me this morning, I just think that's an incredible thing. And thank you, universe, for that. But let me tell you a little bit uh, more. In 2019, Stanford, the Stanford Center on Longevity, the Longevity Park Project, fostered some research and a public conversation on the impact of greater longevity on our society. And um, Mr. Stern is the CEO of the Palisades Media Ventures and chair of Ascend. Previously, as I just said, he was the CEO of the National Public Radio. And what happened then is this sort of marriage between Mr. Stern and the Longevity Project to do this research and to have fellows and folks go out into the world and really find out what the global map for longevity is going to be. I've told you many times when I went to Bali and when I went to Cuba, I saw different ways of aging that are so different than what we, how we do it here in the States, that some of the systems that we have in the States, they don't need for, for their elders. And so, though, so, and again, we're not, I'm not telling you that being in the United States, you know, everybody takes everything so, like, personal. When I share stuff with you, I'm sharing what I see. I'm sharing my experiences. You can take it or eat it, eat the meat, throw away the bones. But at the end of the day, we have to have a conversation about those people like myself that plan to be here till I'm 100. And we need to talk about it because there's a lot of us. And, and we need to talk about it in a way, how is the world going to be and how are we going to have communities that allow this kind of engagement? And so Mr. Stern then took this whole project and conversation and started a podcast. And I was like looking and listening to the podcast last night, and I was thinking, oh, my gosh, he and I should know each other. We should have known each other already. Generation Z and how that's going and the pandemic, all the topics that are really important to caregiving, to caregivers, and to those of us that are living in the community and aging together in the community. So please welcome this morning for me, and thank you so much for coming, Ken Stern. Thank you, Ken. And then thank you, you for having me here for that uh, lovely introduction. Uh, I'm excited to be here and talk with you about caregiving and what we're doing and to learn from you as well. So Well, for, it's wonderful. You. And thank you for taking us to the beach. We're, we're excited <laughs> about that. We're, we're cool. So, so I, you know, we should be. We should be we, at the beach. Yeah. <laughs> so my first question is tell, tell um, our listeners and viewers a little bit more about the the longevity uh, project, and then your your sort of marriage with it with the podcast. Could you do that? Yeah, thanks. So, so I'm actually going to start with with my colleagues and friends at the Stanford Center on Longevity because they're really sort of the beating heart of our project. Okay. So, um, uh, the Stanford Center on Longevity started about 10 years ago uh, uh, with the idea that you know longevity, which which often people when they hear that word they think of the problem of old age. Um, but in some ways, longevity is really about the idea of a longer, fuller life. And, you know, the doubling of lifespan in the United States and much of the world over the last 150 years, one of the greatest accomplishments of, 
uh, of, of the human endeavor, really. Yeah, um, but the, the sort of the, the work of the Stanford Center was, hey, that's great. We're now, you know, our kids will happen to live to 100. Um, but we're not really set up for that. Um, right. We're set up as if our lives are much shorter. I mean, the retirement age of 65 was invented by Bismarck in 1881. Wow. I mean, the, the sort of old notions of lifespan still sort of state uh, how we think. So Stanford Center only does really dedicated to this idea of sort of a new map of life. How do we reimagine a longer, healthier life? Um, uh, and I've been working with them for a couple of years. Um, it, it's fabulous. And this is our first podcast because this year, you know, one of the questions we ask ourselves is, how do we take care of, you know, uh, of our, our, our older relatives, uh, friends and neighbors in the time of the pandemic? It's really such a critical issue that pushed the topic of caregiving to the forefront. We really wanted to spark a conversation about how, you know, in this multi-generational life we now live, um, how do we take care of a loved one and how do we take care of ourselves as caregivers? Yeah. And that's really what, what I'm 64 is about. And so um, I'm 64 is a wonderful uh, podcast. And, and again, I, I, I was laughing last night. Um, everybody knows I live a lot in my head, and, it, and, and so I, I think of things even when I'm driving. And I'll be 64 next year. And so I was thinking about, um, you know, what does it mean? You know, we, we get all caught up. You said this uh, just a minute ago, but we get all caught up in the chronological process of aging in a way that um, there's assumptive places that we go about what we're supposed to look like, how we're supposed to feel, and then how we're supposed to be engaged in the world. Can you speak a little bit about that? Because I know you talked about that on one of your podcasts about engagement, and I, was, I, was in, I really loved it. So, so one of the things, so let me actually start with the title, When I'm 64. Yeah. We constantly pick because when the Beatles wrote that song 55 years ago, they were saying, when I'm 64, I'm going to be old. You know, that was sort of old age. And it's not anymore, right? right. At 64, you could be a caregiver or you could be a caregiver. Um, you know, it, it, a lot about sort of age is not about the number. It's about health and state of mind. Right. And increasingly, you know, that's true for 40-year-olds, true for 50-year-olds, true for 70-year-olds, and true for 80-year-olds. So, you know, um, uh, in, in many ways, we now have, clearly have the most active, you know, sort of 65-plus um, healthy um, um, group of people who actually contribute, and they're in different places of life. And it's not really about the number. But we're about to have a president, uh, I think, um, who's 77. Um, yeah. And, yeah, and retire one who's seventy-four. Mm-hmm. Polls today, mm-hmm. um, uh, and that's you know, um, it, it's very different than it was fifty years ago. And the numbers we put on life don't matter as much to actually sort of the physical health and mental health and the engagement. We were talking about this Michelle mm-hmm. before we went on air. Yeah, you know, the importance of lifelong learning, the health, those are, and the value of how people engage and the importance of engagement. Important to sort of this notion of. My life might be 100, um, mm-hmm. but it's not necessarily defined by that number. Exactly. And, you know, um, Ken, what, you know, I find that, um, you know, I still have a 20-year-old, uh, I still have a tw- my daughter's 20-something and she lives at home, and, and I find that the engagement for me is, is so much, um, 
I actually grieve for them because the 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 engagement is more uh, surface and and fluid, which it should be. But me, social media has made it worse than it was from in my in my age because we, we we I could only talk to one person on the telephone at a time, so it was easier to go out and hang out on the stoop with everybody. And 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 as an older person. I now feel like I want to engage with everybody. I want to learn. I want to be. And there's something that I see in older people who 65 and older, I sometimes think it's my, my way of, of, of holding on to my life. It's like if I, the more I learn, the more I'm engaged, I'll be alive. Um, but what does that mean to the rest of the world having to understand how to navigate us being employed longer and wanting to be engaged in ways that maybe, well, I know my mom at her older age did not. I, my mother aged really quickly, it looked like in my head, um, and she also died, uh, you know, in her 60s from diabetes, uh, you know, high blood, blah, 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 whereas I don't have any of that, you know. So, so there's a difference, a, a generational difference. That's what I'm, that generational difference makes such a big difference in, in our longevity as well. We're living in a different way. So, so one, that, that's right. So, I mean, I think, uh, this is to your point earlier, which is the old numbers don't translate the same as they, they do now. And one of the reasons, we know a lot more about healthy longevity. And, you know, when people talk about health, they tend to start with physical health. Um, and that's, of course, the important, perhaps logical place, but probably mental health is especially as you age, probably just as important. Um, the episode of the podcast you referred to earlier, Michelle, was, was about engagement and, and for caregivers and um, pandemic and how hard it's been, yeah. the cost of isolation. One of the people we had on that show was Steve Cole, who's a professor, uh, a doctor, um, medical professor at UCLA, who has sort of shown sort of the biological and neurological link between lifelong learning and healthy longevity. It's the mental engagement, um, and that is something about, something about formal learning, and it's also about human engagement that is critical to lifelong health. Um, you're, you know, and, and that starts when you're a kid. I mean, the, mm -hmm. one of the most interesting things about the center of longevity is the large, you know, which when people hear us, they think about old age, but the largest group of scholars associated with actually are child psychologists. Because the yeah. um, you know the healthy longevity starts with habits of early life, mm -hmm. and the most important one are mental engagement. And, yeah, you know, we've lost a lot. I mean, you talked about technology. We've lost. We've also lost lost a lot during the pandemic. Yeah, when you see, you talk to. I have a 13 year old son sitting upstairs. You know, doesn't go to school anymore. Yeah. Uh, Hasn't for six months. You know, Zoom. Um, yeah. I really worry about his. Um, you know, his future, future progress because of the sort of stop in life. It's mm -hmm. a serious issue for caregivers like me worried about mm -hmm. a 13-year-old son and a 2-year-old mother. Yes. Well, and we here, we're in adult day health care here at Alzheimer's Services of the East Bay, and we've actually had um, some of our patients packed. Um, and that's why when we were asked if we wanted to open and, and declare essential service, we said yes. 
because we realize that many of our caregivers, particularly the older caregivers um, or sandwich generation, and when we speak of sandwich generation, for those of you that don't know that term, it means you're caring for a younger person at home as well as having an elder at home. And we have a lot of 70, well, a lot of, of, of caregivers that fit that. And they're like, I mean, because we all thought this was like, oh, 90 days max, okay, anybody can do that. But now we're, we're here and it's the end of the year. And what, uh, you know, you talked about that a little bit, and I only I didn't get a chance to finish that podcast, but you talked a little bit about the impact on um, our families and community with this pandemic, and and you know, speak to that. Yeah, I mean, I think the um, I mean, I, you know, just as things like the Depression or the Vietnam War have mm-hmm. sort of shaped a generation, I'm pretty sure that the pandemic will be shaping this generation. Um, especially the younger kids who've had essentially their life interrupted for now like 10% of their life almost. Yeah. Um, uh, um, you know, the episode we did, um, you know, we had told the story of a fellow who was taking care of his age-old parents, both who came down with COVID and both who went to isolation. And so he went and took care of them for three months without actually ever physically being in touch with them. Um, it was all by Zoom, telemedicine, um, leaving packages at the door, shouting at them from you know, the mailbox, mm-hmm. uh, uh, and the sort of the social cost, you know, of not being able to hug your parents, um, mm-hmm. or children, uh, mm-hmm. you know, is tremendous. Mm-hmm. And those things are going to have long-term ramifications. Um, and you know, to um, you know, tell me the sort of the, the challenges with, you know, with. Uh, um, Alzheimer's, I don't need to tell you this, but you know this 10 times better than I do, um, Michelle, challenges with folks with Alzheimer's and dementia, which are growing, this could be a very hard um, lockdown situation, um, huge cost, I think, to caregivers and their loved ones alike. And the thing that I, I always say, um, Ken, is that, and that's why whenever the budget is getting cut for services for caregivers and and things that help them to uh, keep their loved ones in a community. Because I also believe, um, and again, not not putting down my, my colleagues that work in assisted livings or board and cares or any of that, because I think those communities are great and they are needed. And there are some that we need to close down. That's, I mean, that's just with anything, right? You know, it, um, but at the end of the day, keeping people in communities. That's what I grew up, you know, back in Boston, New York, where I grew up, the, the fact that I was a little kid and I had to navigate the elders in my community taught me how to live with, a, with aged people around me. And, yeah. and now, you know, you, I, I live in, in, on the other side of the bay, and I almost said it. I'm sorry, you guys. Um, and it's very young. I mean, you know, and 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 the and there's young families, but there's no older people walking around. These kids, unless their grandparents live somewhere in the neighborhood, they're not seeing elders aging around them. They're just seeing young, 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 young. Uh, yeah. Well, so I, I think it's, so. So there's not a lot of good things to be said about the pandemic. Yeah. Uh, but I'll say two things that I think are worth uh, are sort of positive. Yeah. One, which is 
because of the crisis that there's, you know, and like you, I don't want to knock, uh, I mean, people who work no, in no, no. crisis, you know, uh, do amazing work, but not all of them. And, you know, we saw some terrible tragedies. And I think that there will be a broader understanding that, that you know, we can use technology and investment to help people age in place, and that's yeah. good for them and good yeah. for their families. Yeah. Um, the second thing is, I think is good is, um, you know, this pushed a lot more people into caregiving um, uh, and the challenges of caregiving, and I think it's raised the visibility. And they talked about it during the presidential campaign. Yes. It never would have happened for that's years right. ago. That's I think right. that's a really important development. Um, I think employers understand that caregiving is different today than it was 25 years ago. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's, I think, all to the good as, as we sort of hard, we struggle with this side, but really important that we recognize. 53 million caregivers in the country. Yeah, um, yeah. You know, that's uh, it's a problem yeah. um, we got we to solve. There's still a caregiver. And then, as, as you've stated and, and we all know, that 53 million does not necessarily mean blood DNA family caregivers. They're, so they're a part of that number, but there are peripheral caregivers there's a neighbor that's caring for a neighbor in a building that if that neighbor didn't take a meal upstairs to that elder, nobody would even know that person was there. So there's all of these sort of tentacle caregiving relationships that we don't even measure in, in many numbers, so I'm sure that there's even more people caring for people. You know what I mean? It's like there, there's people in clusters caring for people everywhere. You know, it's so funny. I, um, uh, um, I've never thought about the way. So I have a 92-year-old mother, as I mentioned earlier. She mm-hmm. lives about 15 miles. She's still, for me, she's still in our home. And she would not be able to stay in her home without the support of her neighbors. Um, the neighbors her 30 years, for 50 years. Mm-hmm. And they check in with her and make sure she's socially engaged in ways that I can't um, every day. Right, right. Um, I'm sure they don't think of themselves as caregivers. Right. Yes, they would be like, no more neighbors. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day, Lil. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Uh, I had never thought about it. It was very moment. Really great insight. Uh, sort of that web of caregiving. And, and, and the reason that it's so important is that we know, I, um, I've lived long enough and read enough to know there was a time in our communities where that was so that there was this intergenerational layer of living in a neighborhood, neighborhood, um, and then when you take the neighborhood and pull that and extract it out and create community, you have to be careful because then you make the circle wider, and the wider the circle gets, the less the (laughs) the engagement is. And so what we're saying, or what my belief is, is like, Make community like neighborhoods where you do know the name of the person that in the CVS pharmacy, and you know that Michelle Pope comes in there once a month to get her gobbledygook, and all of a sudden you don't see her anymore, and you that registers with you, 
in some way, shape, or form. How do we get back to, again, I may not be able to do anything about that. Michelle may have passed away, and I may not be able to do anything about that. But to notice, you know, that's the thing. I feel like we're kind of, not now, because I think the pandemic is making us notice things that we've never, that we didn't want to notice or we're, we were too busy to notice or, you know, we didn't want to notice, whatever that is. But, but just noticing another person. There's an elder man that walks down my street every single day, and when I'm walking the dogs, I have to keep them on the opposite side because they're rambunctious. But I deliberately walk out of my house at the same time he's walking by my house so I can say good morning to him. And we have this little thing, and he was sick. And he was missing for like five days, and I was getting anxious, and I was like, oh, my God, I don't even know this man's name. So the, last, the next time I saw him after that, I said to him, good morning. I said, you know what? I say good morning to you every day. What is your name? And he yelled it back at me, and I yelled <laughs> him my name, and we kept going. But, wow, it was such an amazing moment for me because that connection, I still don't know where he lives. He just walked yeah. down my street. It's interesting. I mean, I think you, you and I don't want to go far on this because I, I have not studied this. I'm no means an expert. No, um, no, and, nor am I. I just, these are but, my observations. <laughs> so, you know, one of the things, uh, um, you know, how we, we act as how we arrange ourselves in sort of families and uh, communities and sort of how we do it now is, is, is inevitable. Um, but actually sort of, you know, the whole idea of the nuclear family is actually felt fairly regular, fairly new construct. It's really sort of, you know, the two, you know, two parents, two kids, um, used to be much more multi-generational. Um, but sort of how we adopted that nuclear family and, and the consequences for you know, who we live with and who we know are, are really profound. And you actually see some of that people now sort of rethinking that. Mm-hmm. There's actually a lot of costs of, of sort of the isolation of the nuclear family. But one of the things um, he hasn't been on, on our podcast, he's been done other things with us, um, there's a, a smart guy at UCLA named David Hayes Batista, also a doctor. Mm-hmm. A lot of doctors at UCLA. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, and he studies the Latino family. Oh, uh, yeah. And Latinos actually have a long, in, in the United States, actually have a longer lifespan than, than whites. I didn't um, know that. Or okay. the non Hispanic whites. Okay. Um, and his, his theory is that's because of how they organize their families. Yeah. Uh, much more multi generational, much more engaged. And that's physical, a long time. A lifetime consequences. Um, I think you learn a lot of that. I mean, I think you know, the more multicultural U.S. we should be learning U.S. Uh, lessons from other, you know, from from, from things like things like this because it will really affect. Yeah. To your point, Michelle, really affect not just uh, you know, who you engage with, the power engagement, who takes care of you, um, and grandparents helping take care of kids. Yeah. Yeah. Important. Yes, I can't wait to be a grandparent. My my poor son and daughter-in-law can't stand me, and they're probably happy the <laughs> pandemic's happening because every time I go over there, I'm like, <laughs> but 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 there's something about that in in and in that intergenerational and having that that feeling of being able to pass something on, whether it's wisdom or knowledge or the stories. And so when you began um, your podcast and you started thinking in this partnership with the Longevity Project, what I, I find is the stories are the things that are so important. And so your story around coming to 
this place in your career and doing this, how how does that fit into this whole conversation? Like, tell us your story, Ken. So, uh, so, so let me first of all, before I get to, to my story, uh, which I'm not sure how to tell, uh, <laughs> to produce, but, uh, so, um, uh, you know, we actually believe, so I, I as you know, I, I have a long background uh, from NPR. Yes, yes. Um, uh, and, you know, I think the ethic of NPR is every story counts and everyone has a story. And yeah. we sort of want to bring that to this podcast, 53 million caregivers, 53 million stories. Mm-hmm. We start every, we bring in experts, I mentioned the name of them, but all of our podcasts start with the story of a caregiver. And honoring that story and elevating that story is really sort of what we want to do. Um, so I, I believe in sort of the power of story and yeah. uh, I think everyone has a story. So, uh, so that means I have a story too, uh, 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 but it really is around, so my story is that story, which is, you know, I'm really dedicated to the craft and art of finding ways to tell stories. And oh, okay. I love the idea of, and one of the reasons we settled on, this is the first podcast ever from Stanford. Yeah, yeah. that's what I saw. I was like, wow. Um, yeah, and, and we wanted to settle on caregivers because we thought that each of them would have a profound story to tell. Mm-hmm. And some of the pod, some of the stories we're telling are of famous people, you know, yeah. uh, Seth Rogen. I saw that, yeah. Wife. Um, uh, but that's really, you know, uh, uh, but mostly it's the idea that every one of us, everyone, every caregiver has a story of love and hope and challenge and an interesting way into that story. So mm-hmm. the next the next episode we have, uh, actually I've been chomping a bit to tell you about Please. what you do. Yeah. So actually on Alzheimer's, it's mm-hmm. going to come out next Thursday, and it starts with the story of actually a former colleague of mine from NPR named Kitty Isley. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, left the... Uh, the workforce uh, to work in a different workforce, which is taking care of her dad. Mm-hmm. She has her own beautiful podcast, but we're telling her story and bringing experts to it. And it's, you know, so, so, so how do people connect with the with the podcast? Because I would yeah. love them to do that, and to not only just the one that's coming up this Thursday, but for the ones that are in the can. Yeah. So thank you for asking that. Um, so you can go, uh, it's called When I'm 64, The Story of Caregivers. Uh, if you look at any place where you get um, iHeartRadio or Apple Podcasts, it'll be there okay. um, from the Stanford Center on Longevity. Or you can just come to the Stanford Center on Longevity website, okay. um, longevity.stanford.edu, and you'll find it there. Okay. Or you can email me and I'll send you a link. <laughs> Anything. Anything to get more listeners. Yeah, and let's do that. Let's, you know, all the li- all of our listeners out there share this this uh, this story and and share the information. I'm sure Felicia will make sure that the link is put in when we uh, drop it into YouTube and all of that. But share because again, it's not one of the things I, I, that I love about books. This is why I love books and why I refuse to to not. Uh, to, my kids bought me one of those tablet things. I can't do that. I need to be in an environment. I need to pick my books. I need to smell my books. I need to touch my books. I'm a book person. Okay, with that. But the reason I read such a variety of books and get a variety of information into my head and my mind is because then I can make my own opinion about something. And I'm not easily guided by 
a whole bunch of other stuff, right? So, so that's why you go to all these different sources. So, yes, please continue to come to Life is a Sacred Journey, okay? Please do that. But when I'm 64 is a whole other set of information and, and, and other folks that are coming in to share information. And if you are a caregiver, you need as much in that trunk as you can put. If you're not a caregiver, you will be a caregiver at some point and not even know that you're a caregiver, so you need the same stuff in the same trunk, okay? Or if you live long enough, you're going to be an older person, and these are things that you're going to want to know so that you can help a family member or a friend. So you see, it's, it comes full circle. So just spread the circle wide, okay? Spread it wide. And, and I want to look and make sure that if you had any questions, let me look before I have one. I have a couple more questions for my new best friend, Ken, and I want to know, um, and then let's see if you have. Uh, they say, welcome, Ken. We love NPR. Thank you for your work there. Or the, uh, another person is saying, yes, stories. If we would listen to each other's stories and not debate so much, <laughs> yes, I agree. We would be a better world. <laughs> I agree. That's so right. Uh-huh. And uh, good morning, good morning. Thank you for this wonderful topic. Looking forward to coming in on your podcast and no questions. No questions, my friends? All right. So the other I, I question that I have is when you are now, after every, you know, you're getting engaged and involved, you're learning all this new stuff, and then I think that's one of the nice things about um, doing a podcast. You also learn more than, than you ever thought because you get exposed to so many different ideas. Um, what is the takeaway around longevity that you are beginning to formulate for yourself and, and, and your life plan? Yeah. So uh, moving forward, answer that question. Yeah. Um, well, it's actually, uh, it's kind of the, the start of the answer to that question. Is I really love starting to do, we just launched a podcast a month ago. Um, okay. And um, I, I loved it. Um, I love sort of the first part of the production because I started talking to people, caregivers and experts who I wouldn't, I, mean, I actually feel sort of socially isolated here during the pandemic. I'm not out and around like yeah. I used to. Yeah. So the chance to connect with people, whether it's on Zoom or otherwise, listen to their stories and love their stories. It's yeah. actually really important to me. And now I'm starting to hear from listeners. Um, you, know, it's, you know, that's it's just a cool thing. To, yeah. You know, connect. And I've actually missed that connection for the last six months. I'm loving, that, I'm loving every moment of it. Um, and, and I think, you know, I mean, I'm going to circle back to what we started with, you know, the need for engagement. I think, yeah. uh, you know, we really are used to this idea of longevity as sort of a three-stage life. First life, our life is sort of childhood education, and then there's work, and then there's sort of time and death. Uh, that's not the way it works anymore. It doesn't need to work that anymore. It's a, the walls are all breaking down. Society still thinks of it that way, but... Um, uh, um, People are living very different lives. They're learning at different points of life. They're working at different points of their lives. They have lots to contribute, you know, in all their stages of life. And, um, you know, I think the, the stories we're trying to tell and want to tell, I think, contribute to the idea that, look, people are different now than used to be, uh, and that brings with challenges. I mean, taking care of a population. Uh, in 2034, we'll have more people 
over the age of 65 and under the age of 18 for the first time in recorded history. That's a challenge. It's also an opportunity. You do not stop living at 65. You stop living at 75. You don't stop living at 85. There are, there's a life, those of us who are 57, there's a life, full life ahead of us. Yeah, there is. There is. So that's sort of my takeaway for a Friday morning. Well, I love that. And the need for age-friendly cities. I know that we, we're we exploring that here and um, part of a, a, a pilot working together as a, a providers to make Alameda County, uh, the Board of Supervisors, um, blessed it and to make it an age-friendly city where, and that's good for everybody. The research has shown anything you do for an elder is good for the children. It's good for, you know, because if you make your signs bigger or you have parks or you add more lighting, so having those communities where they are um, mapped out using the language of the Longevity Project, mapped out to embrace not just uh, younger people but the life passage so people can age in place. You know, that's been a a term that I've been using now for almost 25 years, age in place, age in place. But what does that really mean when, when um, we're talking about public transportation and, and, and services for, like, you're, like you were saying, those caregivers, and make it all affordable? That's the other thing. Yeah, yeah. make yeah, it all affordable. Yeah. Well, mm-hmm. I want to thank you so much, Ken. I, I'm going to become um, a, a listener. Uh, I now have it in my in my phone so that I will make sure that but I because I love it I love the podcast and I want to thank you for coming to life is a sacred journey it's been my honor to get to know you and um, it's we'll share it all over and more people will come and and then one day you'll have to have me on your podcast <laughs> I, look forward to that. It's been such a fun conversation. I really did enjoy that and I hope uh uh, I hope it's not a, a one-time conversation. No, no, no. And I actually would love to, um, you know, as I say to all of my friends that join us on Life is a Sacred Journey, it never can be a one-up because things are always changing and things are always evolving, and we should keep the same voices coming so that people get to know. Because the other thing I realize about doing a podcast and doing this, you have to build trust. And people have to know that you're you're going to bring people that are valid and and share information with them from a perspective that isn't forcing them to do anything. We're just sharing what we know and bringing in people um, who know more on, on on one particular topic. So I want to I I just feel I'm so excited and and very validated by your presence this morning. So thank you. No, I am. Thank you so much for that. And you know I say that to a lot of my guests because I know that people have to have choices. You have choices. You can do whatever you want with your life and to choose to spend a half hour, 45 minutes with Michelle Pope on a Friday morning at 8 a.m. is um, is a gift. And I, I just want you to know that. I, I always try to tell my guests that. They're like, oh, no, thank you. We can have it. But, but thank you. <laughs> so, thank you. So it goes both ways. Great conversation. Thank you for having me, and thank you for welcoming me to your community. Yes, yes. So Ken Stern, everybody, this is our new BFF here at Life is a Sacred <laughs> Journey, and um, I'm when I'm 64 is the podcast. Please check it out. Continue to write. Uh, you can also send 
uh, emails and comments to Ken. Uh, do you have an email that you want to give them, or how do they do? Sure, of course. Please. So I'm at uh, uh, Ken at longevity-project.com. Okay. Say it one more time, just in case somebody didn't have a pen. Yeah, Ken at longevity-project.com. Okay. All right, my friends. I know it's been a long week, and we get caught up in a whole bunch of stuff because that's how the human DNA is made. It just attracts all <laughs> But calm down. Take a deep breath. We're walking this planet together, right? Let's bump into each other softly and gently as we continue to wait for a response, whether it was what we want or what we didn't want. And then after it's over, let's move forward. We got kids watching us. We got kids watching us on how to be good people and how to be adults and how to be kind. Let's show them how to do it right. And if you're all upset with the world, look in the mirror, and you be the change you want to see in the world, because it really does start with you as an individual. It starts with me. It starts with Ken. We can't go around pointing fingers at all these people, okay? So have a good weekend. Please wear your mask. Please wear your mask, okay? Because I'm sick of hearing these numbers. Wear your mask. Even if you think there's no COVID, even if you think you're immune, put on a mask anyway. Buy one that's really cute, okay? Like if you have a sports thingy, buy something cute. Put it on. I don't want to see you in my, in my Whole Foods or wherever the heck I am without a mask, okay? The other thing is hand sanitizer, but research shows you have to wash your hands. You can't use hand sanitizer all day long. It becomes ineffective. So whenever you're near a sink with some soap and a halfway decent hot water, wash your hands, okay? Take care of yourself. Walk gently in the world. It's not that, it, you know what? What's the other option? Hmm, think about that. We talked about longevity. Be here for that, okay? Have a good weekend. Take care of yourself. Be safe. Thank you. Life is a sacred journey. We'll see you next Friday at 8 a.m. See you then. Take care. Bye. Ken, stay on a second. Uh, let me get rid of. All right. Let me end everything.